Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, this is a surprise. That's because Rich is here. That's right. Rich is here joining us on the Two Half Squads. Welcome, everybody, to the Two Half Squads, the only podcast on the net dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, ASL Squad Leader. That's right. And it is so good to be back. And it's February 18th, 2011. And this is episode 48, the name of which we have not figured out yet. No, we have not. Yeah, it's coming. So it's good to be here. Rich, great to have you. Thank you. Nice I'm glad to, to be see here. You. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. Glad you, glad you made it. We got some good stuff for you here later. Oh, yeah. What the Do you know I had gone to MMP and, and signed up and, and ordered some, some boards? Did you? And... You went there? You drove there? I or drove you went there and ordered some... I went online and I oh. realized they now have, and I'm sure all our listeners know this, but their customer service has really upped it a notch because really? they emailed out uh, notifications that my order was packing. And then I got the email that my, autom- you know, my order had shipped. And uh, I was like, wow, this, they've really got this figured out now. Yeah. So it was very nice. Congratulations, MMP. That's a step in the right direction. You know, I, I, I ordered something from a gaming company about a week ago, and I ordered it, and they sent me an email over the acknowledgement, and then they sent me like a thank you email, and then they sent me an order update saying that they had processed my credit card, and then they sent me one saying like they were going to package it tomorrow, and then they sent me one that, you know, the guy was licking the envelope, and then they sent me one that the postman was at lunch, but running a little late, and, they, and it's, it's like I had like 15 emails. That's I was going to call and cancel my order. That's a bit much. It was like harassment. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing from you. <laughs> Over-communicating. Yeah, yeah, I was over-communicating. That was horrible. So I won't mention the name of that company. Well, should we jump Troll right lords. in? J- jump right in Troll with... lords. With letters? <laughs> <laughs> with letters? No. We do Letters? We're yeah. talking about the corruption. Did you see the, <laughs> the corruption in the <laughs> Medicare... No, we don't want to talk about that. Two hundred and fifty-seven billion, no million dollars. One hundred and eleven doctors, nurses, and physical therapists all captured, caught. Oh, corrupt fraud! Really? In the United States? Seven hundred in the United States. Seven hundred. This is and this is just from what was it? Seven cities. Just and that's only the ones they caught. So now, now are you sure of these figures? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure of these figures. One hundred and eleven okay. doctors. Two hundred fifty-seven million dollars in check fraud. This later. But because no. on sixty minutes there was this guy who was who was an immigrant guy, a Russian guy, and he was talking about how he had built out millions from the. And they ran it on sixty minutes. A lot of our listeners, being intelligent people, have watched that show, and I, it makes me irate because I, obviously people know I'm a teacher, and in the hard economic times we have to attack our middle class because they have it way too good. All these middle class people. They just the heck with them. They, and there's all this fraud going on. I'm like, why don't you first tackle the fraud? Well, we live in Illinois, don't we, gentlemen? We, we do, do, yes. yes. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz, but fra- <laughs> <laughs> fraud central. So there's all this fraud. I'm all nervous. And, the, and the just, we just, just ignores it. We just keep living our lives. Oh, well, we can't do anything about the, the billions of dollars of fraud. But we, but those teachers file tax returns. We can go after them. We know how much they make and what they're getting. I'm sorry. No, no, Jeff. Um, I can see that Dave <laughs> feels very strongly about this yeah. issue. It's like a runaway train. I don't train. mean to quibble over details, and I'm certainly not an attorney. However, his opening statement just a moment ago was that this is a show dedicated 100% <laughs> to the game Advanced Squad Leader. Yeah. I'm having a hard time connecting 
but maybe it's just me. The doctors caught for fraud I all play squad leader. Overthrow him. We're going to overthrow you right all now. All right. Back to squad leader. Let's go to letters. Cue the orchestra. Oh. Like it, Dave is doing an interpretive dance while we're, uh, <laughs> which is nice. Well, it's a catchy tune. Yeah. He's got all the moves. This could be a contest in the making. All right. We have lots of letters, but we may not get to them all this week. Lots of letters. We had a lot going on the last since the last couple of episodes. Just a lot of people writing, which is wonderful. Thank everybody for writing. If we don't read your letter on the air, it's because it wasn't, wasn't really interesting. <laughs> it's because we that? don't have time. Oh, yes. We are busy men. I have one from Paul Massel. Have not had much time for ASL or prod or podcasts. Even missed the winter offensive out here, and I'm way behind on listening to the podcast. Though I still appreciate the work you do. After hearing about your visit to see Das U-Boat, the one in Chicago, right, U505, I thought you might enjoy seeing these pictures. Torsk and Constellation float at a dock in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. They're getting some maintenance work done, and a friend sent me these pictures of them in dry dock. And so, if you live in Boston. No, Baltimore. Baltimore's Inner Harbor. You can go see these U-boats. So if you don't live in Baltimore and you're just visiting, you cannot... Make it part of your vacation. Oh, you can still see them. Okay. That's right. If you even Google USS Torsk, it'll come right up on Wikipedia. And if you're planning a vacation, we recommend you make that a part of the the, the, the whole trip. The, the children will love oh, it. Oh, your family's going to thank you. I've been to Baltimore a number of times, but is this new to Baltimore? They weren't there before? Well, it, I, he doesn't, I guess I could read the Wikipedia article. <laughs> nah. Um, Too much knowledge. 44 to 45, 46 to 68, 72 legacy. Um, yeah, you'd have to go look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that takes well, care well, of that. Like Jeff said earlier, this is not a quiz show. Yeah. It's not a quiz show. Correct. And there will be no betting, as they say on David Letterman. Jeff, do you have a letter? I suppose I do. I've got a letter here from Andy, who left us a comment on episode 46, which was called Sherry Anyone, which is the one where we didn't, we weren't bantering. It was our banter-free episode, which was a big hit. (laughs) But uh, Andy said, how can I feel superior if you guys aren't engaging in foolish banter? Please restore that feature and keep the podcasts coming. Well, Andy... By popular demand. Wait, that's just so he can compare himself to how stupid we are? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even get that when I read yeah. the letter for the first time. <laughs> so that would prove getting, how stupid you are. So you're supporting his ego indirectly, it seems. <laughs> All right, well, the banter is back. The banter is back, we're happy to say. For better or for worse, the banter is back. Rich, do you have a letter? Yeah, this uh, gentleman is John Payne, and he also mentions the banter in a different way. He says, guys, love the show, but the last effort... Uh, last effort, episode 46, was about as exciting as reading the ASL rulebook. Now, I don't know if he's being facetious. But that is, are, that is exciting. I love, I love reading the ASL rulebook myself. <laughs> take so. that, you could take that any number of ways, I'm I wondering, guess. I'm wondering what he uh, is trying to imply there. It's, uh, these are my own words now. That's not what he <laughs> yes. said. Right, I'll, the quotation marks begin. You guys have a great podcast, and the banter makes it. Another banter compliment. Uh-huh. Sure, you crap on a bit. That's a, I think he's from Australia, according to this note, so ah. that must be a <laughs> phrase they use. 
That's part of the charm. Am I allowed to comment in between? Like, I yes, am? you can. I think you I guess can. We're just bantering. We'll you're just bantering well. Yeah, you're bantering well. We'll cut that out. Okay? If you get to be too, inter- <laughs> if you're too entertaining, we'll take it out. Yeah, because you don't want to look bad. No. Uh, ignore the naysayers and do what you do best. Keep up the good work. Regards, John from Canberra, Australia. Oh, oh. thank you, John. Put, put, down put, put one on the bobby for us. <clears throat> Whenever somebody from Australia writes, we have to bring out those lame old Australian accents and euphemisms, and I refuse to do it. And good day. <laughs> and we wish you all luck with that flooding. That was horrible. Yeah, that was horrible. I hope your squad leader stuff didn't get wet. You got a, you've got one now, Dave? Yes, from, from Steve. Steve. Bring that banner. <laughs> and then he says, do I need to get a t-shirt, do, need to get t-shirts printed? Is he asking us to get the t-shirts printed again? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I think I said this a year ago. I was going to try and get in the spring and then summer went by. Yeah. Right, should we do it again? Yeah, let's t-shirts? do t-shirts again. All How right. long has it been since you've had t-shirts? Uh, maybe two years, I think. Two or, yeah, probably two years. We did it pretty quick in the show to raise funds to get the wonderful equipment yeah. through which you're hearing my voice right now. Yes. Sounds like the time has come again. Yeah, I think so. Probably. We'll, we'll talk about design later. So no, Steve, you don't need to do it yet. If I put, if I postpone it for another half a year, we'll turn it over to you to get them done. Yeah. You can send us the money now, and then we'll just hold that. And when the T-shirts are done, we'll send you one. Uh, I got an email here from Rick, who left an episode on our uh, episode 45, Horse Sense. Your cavalry episode episode has gotten me interested in playing some cavalry scenarios. Good job. It's interesting that wall hedge TEM is NA to cavalry. A tank behind a wall can be hull down, but a horse behind a wall cannot be HD, or hoof down as he calls it. That's true, Rick. There is no hull down or belly down or that anything, is true. anything like that. Or belly dancing. Or for, for cavalry. And uh, I ordered a couple of cavalry books. It's a little bit late, but I called uh, Games Plus, and they have a couple of titles from Osprey Publishing. One about the U.S. cavalry in the Pacific Theater during World War II, and one about Axis cavalry in World War II. So there's they a, are holding me both of those. There's a pretty cool scenario ones. that I played not recently, but it's called Ramsey's Charge. Yes, classic. Yeah, it's a classic. Again, I know all the Japanese. Old scenarios. I think it's Japanese and American. The Americans, Americans are the ones on the cavalry. Yes, Philippines. And it's a very exciting scenario. Maybe. I remember it being very exciting. I haven't played it in several years, but that name comes to mind as a good cavalry scenario if you're looking for one to play. Yeah. There are also tons available in the pack from the Frank Terrer, maybe seller from the seller four or something. The one about the Russian Revolution. Lots of cavalry in uh, that pack. I think also in the Hungarian game, armies, which one was that? Uh, yes. I, I haven't played mean, those yet. Uh, but there are some cavalry ones. Yeah, the early war cavalry. Yeah, uh, big ones in there. So there's a lot. So I have one here from Mike. And he says, I'd personally like to know who the foul language uh, was who criticized the banter. I can make a guess, but he does need to eventually move out of his parents' basement one of these days. <laughs> Vanter on, Dave and Jeff. <laughs> well, now I'm making a guess who that could be. Who? who and we, but we both know who who made that comment about the banter. Yeah, don't we? We do, and we uh, will not reveal. We will that. not reveal that. This will be like Bartman, who blew the Cubs World Series chances when he reached out for the baseball. Uh, to catch it when it's being hit out of bounds, and he he ruined the series. He, the death threats against his life. To reveal this person's name seems like it would be a threat to his life. We, yeah. we cannot do so. Yeah, I think you're making. We'd have to put decision. him on a um, ASL witness protection plan or something. I'm sure because his his life would be forfeit 
Here's an email from Anthony Pearson. I have been listening back through the podcast off iTunes from the beginning. I used to do ASL stuff and had a bunch, sold it about 10 years ago. Have been playing ATS, the Advanced Tobruk system, that is, which I enjoy, and I'm pondering getting back into ASL. Figure on making these two systems the basics of my gaming from now on. Do you have some suggestions for getting back into the game? I've listened to you to your two newbie-doo uploads and have enjoyed listening to the overall strategies and ideas. So, Where does he live, this uh, listener? Missouri. Because the key is, of course, trying to find opponents who are like-minded. Right, yeah, that would help. That would help quite a bit. But has anybody ever played Advanced? Uh, you guys ever played the Advanced Tobruk system? No, I have not. I have not either. What's the deal behind that? Do we know? Is there any juicy story behind that, or is it just another system? Is it a disgruntled sure. ASLer that came, went out and did something else? I've okay. heard of it, but I don't, I don't know. know yeah, don't know. Okay. Well, that was fascinating. Rich, do you have any ideas about him? <laughs> Could we make something up? He was asking about getting back into the hobby. Oh, yes, getting back into the hobby. Well, yes, uh, I, I, like you guys, have tried to teach the game to a number of people. And, you know, again, it does take some level of desire and dedication on the learner's part. But with the starter kits, which I think were a great idea that I know have continued to uh, help bring new players into the game, those are awesome places to start, and those are readily available. Uh, you know, the club that you host, now that may not work for this listener in Missouri, but the club that Correct. you host, Dave, of course, is loaded with beginners, and I've been to your house a couple of times and try to teach uh, a couple folks some of the basics as, I, as I'm able. But you got to find, you know, a like-minded group of players, or at least one other. Yeah. And that really helps, and that's how you learn is by playing. Learn by playing is definitely it. There are, there are so many sources, even if, if you are two inexperienced players, there are so many sources now on the internet where you can learn to play through either through our newbie do episodes or there are lots of playthrough step by step kinds of things on board game geek and a lot of other websites it's a wonderful thing yeah, back in the day when i was learning the game back before there was internet connections and things like that in the early 90s late 80s i had and i brought a couple of these with me here today that we'll talk about later but the old magazines used to have what was called series replays and they actually documented yeah. move by move every die roll Half squad, 247R, moves from hex T7 to T8. And I used to, because I didn't have very many opponents in some of the places I lived, and I actually, that's how I learned by was doing the series replays. But someone had to meticulously record yes, every you, move. Yes, did you set the board up and play along with it? Oh, yes, like I sure did. I, see, I dutifully read them all in detail, looking at the pictures, trying to, f- and then learning some tactics. Like, oh, he sent half squads out into those concealed squads, and uh, what's the fire when you... Don't prep, but you opportunity, opportunity. fire mm-hmm. is instead of oh that's intelligent. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. That's where I learned that from those replays. Yep. So well, also, I have a I have a comment from the comments left on the podcast. I know mm-hmm. we don't usually read those, but I have to read this one. He's anonymous. Said there's still too much banter, more clinical pleas, and straight to the point. I have a busy schedule. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll just ignore that one. I think we should do a show that's just all banter. And actually, we never get around to squad leader. <laughs> that would help me. That would help me quite a bit. Okay. Uh, Rich I, has one from Ken. Oh, Rich has one. Oh, from Ken. Oh, that's a good one. All right, this one's short. He says, hey, guys, just wanted to thank you for recommending Last Night on Earth. What a great game. And my significant other likes it, too. She has an unseemly fascination with zombies. Good show. Roll low. Ken, and then he has a PS. 
He says, I made it to Winter Offensive this year, my first uh, FTF face-to-face ASL since 2004. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, Ken. wonderful. And congratulations on the having the misses who will play zombie games with you. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah. I once saw a woman playing ASL in my life. I have seen it with my own eyes. Live. She was the wife of a player. I was at uh, Aslock and Was, was she wearing pants? <laughs> yeah. I believe she was, although I couldn't tell by because she was you know sitting at the table, and so I can only see her, uh, but I'm pretty sure she was. And, you know, everyone was gawking at her uh, because it was just so unusual. Yeah. yeah. A woman playing oh, yeah. ASL, and it seemed that she knew the rules, and it seemed that she was playing properly. And I haven't seen her since. I don't know her name. I don't know who she was married to, but... I have seen it with my own eyes one time. In the very first year of our production, Jeff, a listener sent us his interview with a female player. Remember yes. that? Right. And we were we were hesitant to have anyone else's stuff come into our show because I, maybe we want to rethink that. Or yeah, I, oh yeah, I would love to get that interview. What, she was from overseas, wasn't she? I think wasn't so. From yeah, Sweden from or Sweden something or somewhere. One of, those, one of those progressive Scandinavian countries. They're so advanced there. Uh, let's see. I've got a um, email from Troy. I won't read this. We're, we're actually. I'm surprised at this. You know, last episode we announced our next contest, which is ASL funny, uh, funny songs, where you take an existing song and replace the words with ASL words. So uh, we've we've had several. I think we've had four entries so far, which is amazing to me. So uh, we're. Not, I'm not going to read this, but. Thanks, Troy, for sending that in. But it's yeah, it's into the contest, and everyone else will keep that. We didn't put a due date on. We that. didn't put a due date. We got to do that. Let's let's set a due date for when we're going to set the due date. Okay, well, we'll do that later. <laughs> later, we will, because we should come up with something like so that. We rule, should also come up with prizes. The rules are that you take an existing tune, yeah, and you add ASL words to the tune, right? And you're going to have a competition to see who can who can have the funniest one. I see. Yeah, funny. Should we do that or a tearjerker? Well. You know, either way, most could do moving a drawing. emotionally. Or, we'll or do a drawing. random drawing. Yeah, maybe we'll do a random drawing. We'll do a random drawing. Yeah. Um, and this view from the turret, Jeff, following us on Twitter. Oh, yes. Do we want to talk about that? Um, do you know what the view from the turret, or from the turret is? It's I've heard of it. At from the turret. Um, I'm glad you asked that, Dave, because I looked it up. It's a guy's po- a web uh, website. It's a blog site. Blog site. Yeah. Yeah, View from the Turret, the the best of wargaming and military history. That's right. He covers um, Flames of War stuff in here for miniatures players. He's linked up uh, 20 or so podcasts of of wargaming related podcasts, Napoleonic Warfare, Miniature War Games, Victory ASL, Warhammer 40K, all kinds of stuff here on his site. He must have a lot more spare time than I do. I was just thinking that. As well, these guys that, um, and there are quite a few. I, I'm almost thinking we should do a little segment in each show for a new website that we've found that's well done, because there are a lot of them popping up of guys that go into a, a great deal of time and energy putting together like after action reports for squad leader and interesting articles and stuff like that. It's just amazing. So maybe. Yep, and puts he puts out uh, news items too from these game distributors. Yeah, so he's following us on Twitter. How exciting. 
How good for him. I've never been followed on Twitter before. What does that feel like? It's scary because you don't know who it is. And you, I hear the footsteps behind me all the time. Yeah. And you turn around and they're, they're all trying to hide and it's frightening. Yeah, I hate they go off into the bushes and stuff. Isn't it kind of an honor though in a way? No, it's stalking. Kind of stalking. No, it's just yeah. like stalking. It's, yeah. it's bad. Well, I'm glad I don't have my own little uh, Twitter page then because I would be uncomfortable, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have about 40. Are you, are you clicking over there? No, what? I keep hearing. I was clicking, yes. Oh. <laughs> you got him. <laughs> Should we stop letters there? We have a few more, but... Yeah, we'll do more letters next time. Maybe we'll do a whole letters episode. I don't know. Let's, But let's move on. What else, What has everybody been doing for Squad Leader? What you Anything? been playing lately? Yeah, been been playing or any, any other news? Well, I mm. have not been playing as much Squad Leader as I usually do. I've been taking a few months off, well, that's although news. I'm still passionate about the game. Mm-hmm. But I was playing a couple of times a month for the past couple of years, and then going to a number of tournaments each year, about three or four a year. But I have taken a few months off, but it's I'm getting rekindled again and re-energized to play yeah. again. In fact, I'm playing tomorrow. With an opponent. Yes, so. you are. With Mr. Mr. Stubitz. Yes, he and I are getting together tomorrow. Were, so. you, were you purposely uh, taking a break from it? Or did it just was, lay out that it, way? It was, I was just busy at work yeah. and, you know, other things and life yeah. miscellaneous. And my oldest son went to college and, you know, just things like that. Yeah. Got it. My daughter's well, doing, I'm glad you're getting back into it. My daughter's doing the CYT, Christian Youth Theater, and it's a lot of time. You have to volunteer 20 hours plus in there. And a lot of we're driving her around. In fact, she'll be calling at some point for me to go pick her up. It's a lot of time, and my time's been cut into a bit, and the D&D is still sucking up some time, but I am I am managing to still play monthly, and I played Dave Timonen, uh, Calmness Under Fire. Oh, and Jeff Lord's going to be busy on Monday nights. Oh. Starting in like a couple weeks. Sweet. Did you want to... Yeah, you want to start playing? Sneak I would in love to play. like at least one a yes. month or two yes. a month? Yes, two a month. Okay. Well, you know, the ASL Open is in about, what, how many weeks? Oh, uh, about five weeks, I yeah, think, or no, six seven, weeks. six weeks. Correct, in April, ASL Open. And that scenario list is out, if you were interested in practicing those, one or two. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go for the whole thing. Are we, we're debating not recording there yeah. this year because we think we got enough. Well, we'll see. But it would be nice to go for at least a day and get a couple games. There. Yeah, they will so. go play. But Dave Timmon and I played uh, another of the Frank Terrer uh, Russian Civil War scenarios, uh, mm-hmm. Calmness Under Fire. And this one was with the British. He had an armored train observation post up on this hill. And the conditions were the Magyars, the Magyars, mm-hmm. yes, could win in one of two ways. Control all level two locations by then turn two. So this little British group had to hold out on this hill for two turns. Or they could win upon earning six casualty victory points. So then the British had to withdraw, and they could exit the board, the British and the Czech Legion. They were sent up to help protect the Czech Legion as it crossed Siberia, was it, right? To try and get back home. And they can all start exiting. And the Czech Legion is back in this woods off on the near the bottom side of the board. And so you're faced with all these great choices. You know, Do you move the Czech Legion up? Um, to try and help them. The British are holding the hill. Mm-hmm. And there's another regiment. There's two little groups up on the hill, very small, against uh, 14-plus squads of Magyars coming on from two directions. And so we just found it really entertaining. I swore I had the thing won, right? And I get back to the woods, right on the edge of the board, where I can exit everybody. Dave's coming across. He's got to come across open ground to come and get me in time. And I'm thinking, okay, 
I could advance back to the center of the woods, right, out of line of sight of everybody, but he's free to run across the open ground, leap into the woods to come, you know, try and jump in close combat or something. I didn't know what I should do, and so, like, I think like an idiot, I advanced to the edge of the woods with, like, four squads thinking, okay, they can hold it. He only needed uh, one or two more victory points to win. And I advanced to the edge of the woods to prevent him from shooting as he came, or to shoot him as he came across the open, and of course I lost the game. What oh. did he do? What happened? He prepped and broke me. And I'm, thinking, oh. I'm like, oh. why did I do that? But if, but if he prepped, you couldn't move. Correct. But he had plenty of troops. Remember, it's 14 squads all chasing me. So I'm thinking he had plenty. Of, you're right. He had plenty of troops. I'm like, what kind of a dumb? After a thousand games. What kind of a dumb move was that? Why didn't I advance in deeper into the woods, make him come, paying all the movement points, he'd have half shots at me, right? And then I could go off away well, from like him. sounds like an know. exciting scenario, though, with it was, yeah. unique victory yeah. conditions. Yeah, it was a good one. How so. long ago do you think it was that you uh, your gaming peaked? Wow. Yeah, it was Probably a while, a while ago. ago. It's yeah. been a decline ever yeah. since. <laughs> Another couple of years and I'll beat you. <laughs> You'll be coming to me for help. So that's what I've been playing lately. <clears throat> Jeff, have you played anything lately? Uh, I actually did not. I, I finished a game with Mike uh, a week ago. Squad, and, yeah, he won. Was, or? he won. He won again. Yeah, yeah he didn't he again. listen to the episode where we talked about? No, he people. doesn't listen to the show. Mike Stubitz or a different Mike? No, Mike, Mike Lemke. Lemke. Oh, okay, yeah. So we've got to get you winning somehow, Jeff. Yeah, I, I know. that's one of my objectives. Well, I got to play a little more. That would help. But um, cheat more. No, I actually, I have, I actually uh, haven't been playing much, but I've been reading, reading more and more, and watching movies. And does that count? No, <laughs> but I'll let you win when we play on Mondays. Okay, all right, that's a deal. Well, you really, you really gonna do that? Let him win? Yeah, yeah. But I have to make it look like I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I spent uh, last Saturday evening with Dave Goldman. Doing what? Uh, we were at the opera. Oh, yeah, you were at the opera. I was at the opera last week, and I saw Dave Goldman there. Actually, we didn't spend the evening Oh, I was going to say, you uh, planned to go there together? No, no, no. Actually not, uh, but I did see him during intermission. Oh. So that was kind of nice. It's a small ASL nice world. Was yeah. it just a coincidence? Or you yeah, playing? just a coincidence. Yeah. No, I was there with another friend of mine, and and uh, but during intermission, I said, God, that looks like Dave Goldman. But you know how it is when you see somebody out of their element, and mm-hmm. I didn't recognize him without all the little counters and stuff and dice. And his special um, lights that he likes. Don't forget about those lights. Yes. He always has a special little lights over the table that he clips to the... Right, yeah, yeah which he did not have at the opera. So once Probably again, not. I was like, I don't know, is that him? But he was wearing a bow tie, and I thought, now that is that is something... Well, Dave that is a Dave cultured, Goldman classy guy, but yeah. I'm surprised you were at a place like that. <laughs> well, I was just... Uh, it's a side job. I was just cleaning the floors I see. afterwards. I see. Picking up the gum wrappers. <laughs> but interesting opera. It was, a, it was an Italian opera uh, called the, the Girl of the Golden West. So it was written by Giacomo Puccini and sung in Italian, but it took place in, in Gold the Rush, old, California. Old West. Wow. Yeah. So they were like, they were singing along, uh, Renzo Brutto, Tarriccio, Scarabuccio, Jack. Because the main character's name was Jack. Parici, Camonici, Cooley, Jack. No, the Cooley was the Oh, the Cooley. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that was a fun night. Hey, guys. Richardson again with another entry. This time... ASL Haiku 575. Breaking squads with fire. Thrill of ASL is in battle. 
familiar throughout flows. Thanks. Haiku poetry. That was a haiku. That'll be our third contest. That was so cool. <laughs> what? What's next? What's in the box? The Bronx. What's in the Bronx? Yeah, I was wondering what's in the Bronx. I did. I, I think JLo's in the Bronx. Is uh, the TV show was made in the Bronx? Which show? Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, was it? Or maybe not. I was thinking of Good Times. I think it was. Good Times! Hey, we're lucky we got them. <laughs> that I was enthusiastic, right? Yeah. Well, because I love the show so much. I didn't know you could sing. Oh, yes. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to enter your ASL Squad Leader song contest. Oh, I can't that, wait. I can't I wait. I know that yeah. uh, that's out there. I'm actually working on a couple myself, a couple of songs, but I'm not eligible to win anything. No, you're not. Yeah. But we are looking for uh, donations for the prize. So if you are a purveyor of Squad Leader products and would like your prize featured in one of our contests, you know how to get a hold of us. Yep. Send it on in. Yep. No doubt Dave will be contacting you because he's our chief executive in charge of contacting people for free stuff. So what is in the box? What do you Should have I go there, first? Jeff? I got a good one. I, this was an impulse buy. I, I'm glad they put this. I was at Games Plus, ding, ding, uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was getting ready to check out. I won't tell you what I was buying. Oh, a gift for me. And up toward the yeah, yeah. And up toward the front was Beyond the Beaches ASL Starter Kit Bonus Pack One, and it was only ten dollars. And I thought, now this is very good marketing. They put it right up there in the front, you know, as you, as you buy stuff as you're as you're standing there in line in the long line. So uh, Beyond the Beaches ASL Starter Kit One uh, Bonus Pack, which uh, it's got some nice art on the front. You like that, Dave? I, yes, but we'll save. Box art review for okay. later. We will. Look what comes with this for $10. I'm going to say this, $10. I think this is a bargain. First of all, you get board P, which is a starter kit board. But do you notice anything different about this board compared to the other starter kit boards? Five it seconds. Hedges. It does. It has hedges. And so, and that's really what this little um, expansion pack is about is adding a few rules to the starter kit rules to help players proceed and and evolve probably, uh, hopefully, into the game. So, where's the instructions? Oh, here. Oh, there's the rule. I I asked you earlier where the rules were for the hedge rows. There are three scenarios, and on back one of the scenarios is the rules. So they have rules for hedges, and a little thing that covers line of sight, TEM, Movement, and then there's some examples about how hedges work. That's an awful small rule section. It's a very small rule compared section. to the advanced rule section. No, this is not bocage. This is just pure hedges. This is just pure hedges. Oh, it's just. Oh, I thought it was bocage. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I made that mistake also when I first got it. I thought, oh, bocage, but no, it's hedges. Oh, oh, you know, it's oh, okay. it's spelled H E D G E, not B O C A G E. <laughs> is that how you tell? That was my first clue. Gotcha. But it took me a while still to catch on. And then there's three scenarios here, and this, the scenarios are really good because not only do they give you a int- little introduction about hedges, but in the in the SSRs, in the special rules, they mention things like wall advantage. And they mention things like, they do mention bocage, and in one of the scenarios, they give you some special rules saying, let's pretend that these are bocages, and this is why it's different. Oh, okay. So they give you a little uh, flavor of flavor the of that. Pre- the rules in advance. One of the scenarios has a little bit of flavor of OBA, B 
because you get to pick three random spots on the board and then roll in and attack. then do some rolling and the, and those those areas get a sixteen. You know, you, you yeah, roll fire sixteen firepower, yeah. sixteen on there. And there's also uh, a little flavor of hip hidden initial placement, which is not in the starter kit rules, but they they tell you how to do it on in one of these scenarios. Well, I must be an old, uh, old, crusty old player because is, is, uh, I like that soft approach in reality. But, but jokingly, you know, I had to learn that stuff the hard way. Nobody ever, <laughs> yeah, nobody <laughs> babied me yeah. when I was playing. Nobody, there, nobody so. spoon fed me yeah. the Bocage rules or the HIP rules. I learned by moving in the open and getting shot with a sixteen minus three. <laughs> That's how I learned. About learned HIP. by example. <laughs> yeah, you're a man. That's the way to do it. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, I didn't uh, have anybody spoon feeding me that stuff. Well, this is like ASL with training wheels. And uh, so, if you're too afraid to go out on your own, you can you can take this instead. I have a what's in the box, and it is W O Winter Offensive Bonus Pack Number Two. Oh, sweet! Now, Jeff, you shouldn't have actually bought the Star Kit thing because I emailed Brian and said we don't buy a lot of the Star Kit stuff. If they wanted to send us anything for box art review, yeah. and oh. then you went and did a like, spur of the moment. Yeah, it, was, it was an impulse buy. I had ten bucks just burning a hole in my pocket. And I usually do buy the regular full ASL, and yeah. this bonus pack was only ten bucks, also. And the funds for this go where, everyone? The profits go where? Um, uh, save the save the uh, MMP Federation. No, oh. to actual charity. Oh, really? Yes. Oh no, the, I didn't. The proceeds know. from the winter offensive packs go anything above cost directly to charity. Oh, nice. So wow. I think on the website it said they raised thousands of dollars. Is that the Lou Gehrig's thing? Or is that not yeah, the I, you know, it might thing? be. It is on the website. Okay. I've forgotten. Because it's ALS, which is similar to ASL, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And this is a, a nice little pack. It also has the board in it. So if you want to get board 63, you're going to oh. need to buy the Winter Offensive pack. Oh, I'm going to have to buy that. it. You are going to have to buy it. i got to buy that. And... It also comes with three scenarios. How many boards do we need? My goodness. I know. It's um, never ending. I know. 64. What if they run out of numbers? Oh, my God. I would stop at 100 if I were them. Honestly. Would you? Yeah. Oh, you of would. Plus, you got all yeah. the overlays to change the boards. Yeah, you really don't. And, you know, looking at the board, it's, you know, pretty. it it's, looks a little similar to a few others, but it is different. There's historical modules different. with different kinds of terrain. Yeah, it's a lot. I would well, go for 100 and then stop right there, so it's a nice even number to remember. When we talked to our uh, our map, the map guy, I can I can never remember his name, Tuomo. What's his real name? Who makes all the maps that we're going to interview someday? Oh, yeah, I don't like know. Like very soon? I can't remember his name. He's an MLP well, employee? Um, he does maps for them. I see. Okay. He does a lot of maps for them. And I know he's on Game Squad, and he's mentioned a couple of times, how come they don't invite me on the show? And, in fact, we have invited him on the show, and we just... We haven't been able to coordinate it yet, but anyway, we should ask him how many boards do we need in order to cover the Earth? Yep, cover all oh, the possible the whole terrains. Earth? It would be a lot. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> yes, Rich, yes, it would. What scenario is that you have from Winter Offensive Pack? Well, the one that you've handed me is called Counterattack at Carrington. It's uh, ASL scenario W03. Oh, that's interesting because from this um, from the Star-Kid. pack I just talked about, there's a scenario called Clearing Carrington. And Carrington's in another title, too. There's a scenario I played, again, on the old-timer called Death at Carrington. Oh, yes, that one. That's uh-huh. another, one of the classic oldies oh, that, wow. I, that I'm familiar with. Hmm. I guess and we'll I, have to. I played once one, once with Carrots at Carrington. Carrots. Right. Yeah, it was about the rabbit invasion of <laughs> 1943. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, what's up, Doc? Haven't heard no, I mean, that, that, was, that, I mean, that was horrible. <laughs> it's six turns. It looks to be medium-small, I'd say. Six turns. American-German, of course. About six squads for the American and an anti-tank gun, and about nine squads for the German and four AFEs. So I'd call that medium-small. And I have W04. I don't like retreating. Um, six Cromwells for the Brits. Seven turns. Looks medium to small. Also a special rule for irrigation ditches in the special rules, which talks about how to play them. Much like Jeff was saying, the rules introduced. So irrigation ditches were included in Sorry, what? Pegasus yep. Bridge, irrigation ditches. Ditches. Very oh, small, okay. water-filled little ditches. And those rules seem to be summarized here. And I was looking at a Stride, Cells high, uh, a stride Hell's Highway, WO5 scenario, seven turns, but big, lots of counter density here, lots of things, foxholes, vehicles of different types. And special rule, due to soggy ground condition, each time a vehicle makes a, it does the bog check. And I, you know, I realized, oh, I love scenarios with the bog checks on the open ground and stuff. Yeah. And maybe some players will complain because you can't, you know, you're just risking getting bogged. But I always thought that was really cool. And I can't think of about two to three scenarios where you, they use mud. Yeah, there's mud. There's also, yeah. like, when, the, when they're low on fuel that you roll a special bog check to indicate they're running low on fuel. I've played a couple scenarios that way. Hmm. They're interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think anything yeah, I that is it. that is real life makes yeah. it better. Makes it better. Yeah. Well, well Swell is real life, I thought. Yeah. Well, it is. ASL is life, and life is ASL. That's right. That's my motto. That's right. So th- this is a nice map, and I noticed that there's a church here. 63. I love the steeple. Yeah. I love the steeples, and I love graveyards. Yeah. And water fountains. So has this board been out before in other things? or no. is, it's, it's only come out in this Yep, pack. brand new. And it's, it helps people from pirating just the scenarios, right? To actually yeah. include boards, Yeah. somebody said. <coughs> Good idea. So, Dave, i, I got to put you on the spot a little bit. You mentioned the steeple here on this board 63. Uh, I know this is not a quiz show, but I'm going to quiz you anyway because I know you pride yourself on the rules. Tell me about a steeple and what are the special rules about a steeple. It has a bell in it, uh-huh. and you have to have a hunchback in there to ring the bell. Right, okay. Sanctuary! We did that joke like 20 shows ago. Oh, did we? We did. Wow. Uh, the steeple would have a head. What's well, past is you can prologue. Have a, you can have a half squad in the steeple, right? which is nodding, yes. Um, and I don't think you're allowed to overstack it. You're not even you're allowed. You're not to. allowed to overstack it, and um, it's an extra level above. And that's really about it, right? Yes, I think so. I think the key there is you want to put like a heavy or a medium machine gun with a half squad. Yeah, maybe a leader. And with a leader to direct it, probably that's probably what they're used for the most. Yeah, I know there was one one scenario where once you captured a certain hex, the sniper number was reduced. Mm. And I love that too. Showing that, like, the snipers were up in the steeple, and once you captured that or moved yeah. your guys in there, their sniper number automatically went down. That was a cool special. That is rule. cool. That yeah. is cool. I can't remember the scenario name, but.
Thank you. Thank you, Witt. You know, that's been my experience, too, with yeah. ASL. Yeah. Well, I haven't had them want to talk about the IIFT, but I have had them want to talk about <laughs> the advantages of fortified locations and yeah. whether or not you should convert your pillbox to a bunker or not with trenches. That We've talked about that. Yeah. Oh, a lot of the uh, women uh, that I talked to about ASL want to know more about my sustained fire. <laughs> I'm sure because my true. sustained fire is legendary. It can even be intensive at times. Well, then you got to add plus two, and that's yeah. not good. Well, yeah. Mine like, yeah. You may break down. I may. I may. Mine like to talk about vehicular bypass phase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't resist. That's a good one. All righty. Should we get to the meat of the show? Let's get to the meat of the show. Enough We've of this silliness. 45 minutes of shenanigans. Oh. We'll cut out the first 45 minutes. And That's I think all banter. We're going to have Mr. Spokey here, who has done some research and to tactics. Is that correct, Mr. Spokey? Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about some rules and some tactics that go along with the rules. Let's turn the floor over to you. Our listeners don't realize this, but we just took about a 10-minute break. To them, it, only a second had passed. It's like magic. I couldn't get the dogs in. I don't know what they got going on in the backyard, but it must be fun. Uh, just so listeners know, we're going to have a um, movie review coming up on the next show. We're probably going to be reviewing Stalingrad. And then after that, we'll be reviewing The Big Red One, starring the fabulous Lee Marvin, the fabulous Mark Hamill, the fabulous Robert Carradine, and other fabulous guys. A lot of fabulous characters. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. I remember uh, when Lee Marvin was on Johnny Carson promoting the movie, and Johnny kept calling it the Big Red One. Mm -hmm. And and Lee, uh, he kept saying, Johnny, it's it's pronounced the Big Red One for First Infantry. And Johnny kept saying, so you're in this movie called the Big Red One. (laughs) It does change the meaning, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It sounds like something, you know, maybe not... Not nice for a movie. Kind of like that bypass movement that Dave was talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, Rich, you you had an interesting uh, outing recently, last weekend, which I... Yeah, just or last two weekend, weekend ago, I'd like to mention it. was. It was, yeah. it was uh, a new experience for me. To make a long story short, there's a new movie out, and it's called Winston Churchill, Walking with Destiny. The premieres are out, I should say. It's not, I don't think, being you know released like full-blown, like a like a standard movie would be. Yeah. And I'm a me- member of the Winston Churchill Center, and I have been for a number of years. And so it was premiering in all the big cities, you know, around the country. And so because I am a member and I live in this area, Chicago metropolitan area, they contacted me and they asked me, and not just me, but they asked other uh, members of the society or of the, of the center who live in the area to basically go to one of the showings. It was in Wilmette, Illinois, the one I went to, and introduced the movie for about five minutes or so and then take questions and answers afterwards about Winston Churchill, about the Winston Churchill Center, about the movie, about that period of history. And so it was a new experience for me. I'd never done it before, and I'm glad I did because it went very well. There were around 70 people who attended the Saturday night Mm. uh, showing that I attended. And I was a little nervous, I must admit, but it went well. Oh, yeah, I would be. You know, people were very enthusiastic. I think almost all of them stayed for the Q&A afterwards, which surprised me. I'd say maybe 10 or 15 left out of 70, which is... Not too bad. And a lot of people stayed for a full 45 minutes for wanting to talk about this and that. And, you know, it was a very good movie, by the way, too. Yeah. And you, so this is the first time you had seen it. Right. I hadn't seen it. They sent us some 
background information via email, so I had some idea of the era and the type of movie that it was. Yeah. But, but pretty much I was seeing it for the first time, just like the audience. But anyway, it was a great experience. I recommend yeah. the movie if you ever get a chance to see it or rent it or, or see it on Netflix or something. And, and it was a, a documentary, is that right? It was a documentary. It may be on the History Channel. I really don't know what the future holds for the movie. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not privy to that, but... But it's, you know, Churchill's one of my heroes. He's you know, Mine too. Historic, Me too. Yeah, he's a historic figure of yeah. some prominence. And, yeah. So anyway, sidebar a little bit. Not no, that's for, I think that's really cool. Now, how did you get picked? Uh, now, how do you get into the Churchill? I don't want to spend too much time on this. We'll talk about this off. But how well, do you get into the Churchill Society? Do you have to? Well, it's actually quite easy. Of course, they have different levels of membership. But the, the lowest level is about 50 bucks a year. And you get uh, four quarterly newsletters with that. And you also get monthly email pieces of information. But the, the most fun that I enjoy, uh, about two or three times a year, they have little events. Like they had Winston Churchill's 136th birthday back in, I think it was November. And my wife and I went. It was a black tie affair downtown Chicago at a fancy hotel. It was fun. I mean, they had a speaker from Great Britain who was, uh, he lives in the U.S., he works for the British Embassy or something, I don't recall exactly, but he was a speaker that talked about the special relationship between Great Britain and the United States that still exists and fighting terrorism and Churchill's leadership and how it still applies even today. He was a very good speaker. So I enjoy the events like that. Yeah. I met the director. He traveled up from Fulton, Missouri. Uh, he's also a expatriate from Great Britain. I met him. He's the director of the museum in Fulton, the Winston Churchill Museum in Fulton. Or what is it called? Maybe it's not called that. I don't want to missay it. But you know, they built a museum honoring Churchill's visit to Fulton, Missouri, in 19, I think it was 45 or 46, oh. when he gave the Iron Curtain Iron speech. Curtain speech, yeah. Oh, that was the famous speech he gave after he was Prime Minister of World War II of Great Britain. And so they built a museum down there commemorating that. And this just gentleman I met uh, is the director of that museum. Hmm. I've never been to it, but I certainly want to go now, especially since I've met this. Yeah. This guy, and he was very, uh, you know, cool guy, and very a lot of interesting things to say. So anyway, it, that's what the Winston Churchill. And how did they said. pick you to do the uh, intro out of all the members? Well, I think that because there must be I like a dozen members. <laughs> there's, well, there's more than a dozen. Oh, I don't know. I think that I just uh, met the uh, one of the directors of the of the center that works there hmm. during the dinner, and happened to strike up a conversation with her, as did my wife. And so she remembered me and thought that I might be interested in doing that. And sure enough. That's great. I'm very sorry I missed it. So I'll be looking forward to seeing uh, you do it, reenact it for us. Yeah, the movie's good. And again, if you're a Churchill aficionado like I am, it'll bring a tear to your eye. It's it's quite powerful. Yeah. Yeah. My brother-in-law is the um, president of the Millard Fillmore Fan Club of Toledo, Ohio, actually. has two members, him and his friend. (laughs) Okay. It's true. Do they have annual meetings and black tie affairs? Yeah. Black socks. I, 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 I sometimes hold a black socks affair because I don't have a black tie, but I just put on a pair of black socks and it's walk around. Make myself so anyway, Rich, what you got for us today? <laughs> well, you know, I have some old, dusty stuff that I was excited about talking about. I have a couple of articles that were written back in 1992. And I believe they're related to each other. And then I'm going to, so I'm going to just go through the highlights of these articles on tactics and rules that go together regarding bounding fire and gun duels. And then I thought I'd run through just a little simple example for your listeners. That's a pretty standard situation where you have a German powerful tank. In this case, I'm going to be using a Panther with very thick frontal armor. You've got three Sherman tanks 
who can't possibly hurt it from the front, you know, barring a critical hit. So we're going to assume that you're not going to get a critical hit in this example. You know, how do you take this thing out? How do you use gun duels? How do you use bounding fire? How do you do it? So I'm going to give an example of how I suggest, you know, for those who haven't maybe faced a situation like that. If you're just going to sit there and plink away and try to fight this thing, you're going to lose. Yeah. As the American, you're going to lose. So I'm going to try to show an example of how I would try to take this thing out and maximize your odds. That's what Jeff does. He plinks. Mm-hmm. Oops, oh. with a critical hit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I six. feel lucky. <laughs> so I will start with an article. Let me get I'd rather cool. be lucky than smart. This is from, uh, again, again, this is old stuff, but I'm an old guy. 1991? 92. This, right. is, uh, this is the Whoa. route report. Is that paper? Is that printed on yeah, paper? I, ha- I have those all in a box somewhere, too. Have you, heard you have of, paper? Have you heard of paper? I have heard of paper, yeah. yeah I used to get these in the mail. These are the, the early mail. fanzines right. in the mail. I still got them. Wow. Yeah, I have mine in the uh, in, a, in a big box somewhere, yeah. So this is April 1992, <clears throat> and the gentleman who wrote this, who I do not know, but he did a nice job, his name is Bruce Bakken. B-A-K-K-E-N. That's correct. Yep. Do you know him? No, but I've seen his name on a lot of products, his All right. play tester or whatever. So he must be still active. I don't know him. I'd like to meet him. He wrote a nice article here called Rolling Thunder. And I'm not going to read the article to you, but I'm going to go through the highlights, and it's about bounding fire and bounding first fire and the difference between the two. So let me give you a few of the highlights. So first of all, it's, it's important for folks to you know remember the definition. So when you fire in the advancing fire phase, an AFV, when an AFV fires in the advancing fire phase, that's called bounding fire. When you fire in the movement phase, that's called bounding first fire. Okay? It doesn't mean you're necessarily moving, but you're firing in the moving phase, movement phase, your own movement phase, mm-hmm. and that's called bounding first fire according to the definition, according to this article. Now he goes on to say, you know, like some of the things that are true when these events are happening. So, for example, when you're firing during the movement phase, which means it's bounding first fire, right? First of all, you can never fire outside of your covered arc. That's rule number one. So if you want to fire outside of your covered arc, you have to move your covered arc as a, as, as a part of, you know, one of your movement points. Because you can't fire out of your covered arc as bounding first fire. So you could, you, you turn the turret. Correct. You turn the turret, but you would do but it, it as a part of a movement, movement point. point. Instead of like, if you're the defender, you can just turn it at a plus penalty. Yeah. But if, it, if you're moving bounding first fire, you have to use a movement point to turn it. Right. Or if you move into a new hex, you can turn it. You then. can also turn the turret as a function of of oh, moving into the new hex. Yes. And can you turn it um, as many hexes as you want? Yes. It you may expending that point. You may. Okay. Uh, two firing during the movement phase uh, always uses KC. So I'm going to encourage. And the sunshine band. KC and the sunshine band exactly. <laughs> so I again refer your listeners because uh, I'm going to be doing this example. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway. You know, look at your uh, your two-hit table, you know, on the standard uh, chart. Yeah. And we're going to be doing the fire, fiber-based hit modifiers. And so case C is case B plus something. So case B is plus two. And case C is, you know, if you're a turreted vehicle, and the, the example I'll be using, these are turreted vehicles, so that will be another plus two. So when you're doing bounding fire, you've at least got plus four, at least. And what is case B? Case B is called firing in the advancing fire phase. Case C is case B plus, and then you add something based on the type of gun you are. So even if this is bounding first fire, 
you apply case B. You have yes. to add case B to case yes. C. Yeah, it's yes. always the Correct. plus two because you're mo- moving kind of thing. Okay. Right, or, or it's, well, it's or the you movement moved. phase. Because I, yeah. I, I would get confused about that. Well, even yeah. if it's the start of your movement phase and you haven't moved yet. Yeah. If you're going to shoot now and then move, you're shooting in your movement phase, you still have to add plus two for case B, plus yeah. plus two again, okay. assuming you're a turreted vehicle, mm-hmm. for the bounding fire, bounding first fire. Okay, so you're adding at least plus four in this example with a turreted vehicle. Yeah. I'm going to get into gyro stabilizers later and why they're better, but for now let's just assume no gyro stabilizer yeah. and a straightforward turreted vehicle. Okay, number three. During the movement phase, if you do not maintain rate of fire, then you may only fire again from that same hex. Now that's important. Let's assume you don't maintain rate of fire when you shoot. If you're going to shoot your machine guns, you got to shoot them now because you can't shoot them later from a different hex if you're bounding first firing. Yeah, that's a standard oh. rule, isn't it? Hmm. You can't fire your... Well, if you maintain rate of fire, then you can go to another hex and fire your gun again, and then you can fire your machine guns presumably at that point, if you wanted to fire them at that point. Yeah. So that's three. And then four, you can never acquire a target when you're firing at it during the movement phase. Moving. Yeah, because you're moving. Again, the exception being a gyro stabilizer but we're not talking okay. about gyro stabilizers yet. Okay. Now, when you fire in the advancing fire phase, it's a little different. Number one, you always use case B again, but now you're not bounding first firing anymore. You're just using case B by itself, which is plus two. And you would be firing during the advanced fire phase if you had moved the vehicle, and if you had fired it? Well, if you moved it and fired it in the movement phase, you'd mark it with a prep fire marker, and you wouldn't be able to, or actually with an opportunity fire First marker. First fire marker? Well, you'd, move, you'd mark it with, a, I think, a prep, because you fired during the movement phase, or oh, maybe right. with an opportunity fire marker officially. But anyway, you can't fire again in the advancing fire phase if you've already fired. Okay. During your move. Right. During your so, move. So the advantage okay. of waiting to the advancing fire phase is you don't have to add the bounding first plus two anymore, again, assuming that you're turreted. However... You gave the enemy the opportunity to fire at you first during his defensive fire phase, and you waited to the advancing fire phase to shoot. So that's, you know, obviously a key decision one needs to make. Okay. You can never use intensive fire during the advancing fire phase. You can use intensive fire as bounding first fire, but you can't use intensive fire in the advancing fire phase. Now, number three, you can acquire a target during the advancing fire phase, which I think most folks know. Yes. Yeah. But during first fire, or when you're bounding first firing, you're not, you can't acquire anything. Again, okay. assuming you're because you're always moving. Well, unless you have a gyro. But if you, right. if you don't have a gyro, <clears throat> we're assuming not. Because the vehicle's moving, you can't acquire That's it. That's right. You're bounding first fire. And in the That's advanced right. fire phase, you're not, you're, moving. St- you're considered uh, not stopped, moving anymore. Or you're still, you can end in motion. And then you can acquire it if you end in motion. If you end in motion, no, you, you cannot acquire things if you're in motion. Right. Okay. Okay. So, it, the advantage of firing and waiting to the advancing fire phase is you can acquire. Yeah. You only got to add plus two and not the plus four. However, the disadvantage is, of course, you have to let the other guy shoot at you first. Yeah, as you move in. Okay, and again, this was straight from this article, but I, I believe that he's correct. Now, if you're actually moving when you shoot, you're actually in motion or non-stopped, I think is the official And double the lower die roll? Yes. Now, you're again adding case C, which is case B. Plus two, and again we're assuming a turreted vehicle, so another plus two. That's plus four, and we're assuming that you've been in line of sight for plenty of time, so we don't got to add the. There's a case C three and a case C four and so forth to talk about 
Like if you've you only, only seen see them for a, yeah, a, a movement point, point and like, it's too short. Let's to, assume again in our examples that you've seen each other for. You've been in line of sight the whole yeah, time. You've been in line say. of sight a long period of time. Okay. Exceeding that just to keep the numbers easy to understand. However, if you're moving, you have to double the lower die roll. Of the two hit of shot. Of the two, of the two hit shot. So let's say again, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling along and I'm going to shoot while moving. I'm adding plus two for bounding fire, plus another two for, uh, pardon me, plus two for case B. Yeah. Plus two for bounding first fire, that's plus four. Let's say I'm buttoned up, that's also plus five. And then I'm going to double the lower die roll. So let's say I roll a two and a two. So I guess that would be six. Six plus five is eleven. You know, I'm probably going to miss. Right. It's very hard to hit while moving is the point. Yeah. Now, again, with the gyro stabilizer, it's not so bad, and we'll talk about that later, but for now we're assuming that there's no gyro. Now, if it's your movement phase and you've moved, let's say you've moved a couple hexes, you could stop and then fire? Well, yeah, I'm getting to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's coming up. All right, so now, if you are moving, you cannot use the point blank modifier, which is case uh, L. So in other words, let's say I'm adjacent to what I'm shooting yeah, at. Okay. Yeah, it could I, be a plus two normally I for wanna, adjacent. I wanna, yeah, I want to add minus two, you know, for, the two, for two, the two hit. Right. If you're in motion, you cannot. You do need to stop. And, of course, you probably would want to stop in order to gain that minus two benefit. Yeah. But if you're moving, you can't use it. And, and like you were just saying a minute ago, uh, point number three, you can never acquire while you're moving. So even if you waited to the advancing fire phase, but you stayed in motion and you shot... You can't acquire. Again, unless you have a gyro stabilizer, which... Which we don't. Which we don't. Yeah. Okay, so that is, I guess, in my opinion, the the summary of the Bruce Bakken article from April 92 in the route report. So again, so let, let me go back, because I'm not sure you answered it. So if I am moving, and then I stop, mm-hmm. I can fire. I don't have to add that. The doubling that, of the lower die roll. The doubling of the lower die roll. And then I, then I can continue you, moving. Then you can start again. Okay. Yep, you may. It's perfectly legal. All right. And now, uh, do something like that here in this example. If somebody wants to uh, defensive fire against me while I'm moving, while I'm actually in motion, he can fire at me. If I stop, then when he fires at me, is it not uh, as big a... Uh, detriment to him if he, he fires he, at me he, when I have stopped if you've to do something, new hex, right? which we're assuming that you, yeah. you have, and you've stopped, he still has to add the plus two because you did move yeah. to a new hex this turn. So he still has to add the plus two for shooting at a moving target, even though you're not moving right that second. Okay. However, if you're point-blank range, one or two hexes away, he will also benefit from oh, he the point-blank okay. modifier, just like you do in reverse. All right. him. Okay, so then Kurt Schilling wrote an article in the, uh, in the FFE... And this, again, goes back to, one month, February of 92. And Kurt Schilling wrote an article about gun duels. He must have been just a teenager. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. this is 19 years ago, right? Probably had all his hair. Let's do the math. This is 2011. Wow, really? 19 years ago. Yeah, this is February of uh, 11, right? So it's yeah, that's for ago. some reason I was thinking it was like 10, but... It is almost yeah. 20. We're you got to round yeah. up. <laughs> okay, so Kurt wrote this article, and again, give him full credit. He just laid it out nicely, I think. And he talked about, I guess there's two kinds of general gun duels. There's the kind that the attacker declares, and there's the kind that the defender declares. And these, these concepts go together, because when you're moving and shooting or trying to 
take out a, an enemy vehicle on the run, gun duel rules are probably going to come into play because somebody's going to want to shoot first. So it says here that the attacker can declare a gun duel versus the defender versus a defender's declared defensive first fire on it and then only if none of the following circumstances apply. A. The defender cannot be concealed. The defender cannot be using reaction fire. The attacker is not overrunning. The attacker cannot change turret-covered arc nor vehicular-covered arc. And finally, the attacker's total gun duel dice roll modifiers are greater than the defender's. So let's let's go through that again. Okay. So the attacker. So so here's what's happening. The attacker's moving along. The defender wants to shoot at him. The attacker wants to shoot first and prevent the defender from shooting at him first. So the attacker may declare a gun duel versus that defender, assuming that the defender's not concealed and that the defender's not using reaction fire and that the attacker's not overrunning and that the attacker doesn't have to change his turret-covered arc in order to do it. Now, if all those things are true, then you add up what's called the gun duel dice or modifiers, which are the the uh, firer-based, not the target-based. You know how the table's broken up into two? Yeah. The firer-based two-hit modifiers are added up, both for the attacker and the defender. And uh, the lower gets to shoot first, the lower sum. Yeah. So, like, buttoned up is a... Plus one. Is a uh, firer-based, but, like, point-blank is a target-based. Yeah. So why would you want to declare a gun, a gun duel? Well, because if you think you're going to die, you might want to shoot first if you think you have an advantage. So when this would be yeah, used... Yeah, your tank's driving along, there's an anti-tank gun around the corner, you turn the corner, the defender says, okay, I'm going to fire at your tank. Well, you don't want to just let them blow up your tank up, so you say, well, wait, gun duel, I'm firing too. Right, now, if the, if the, the only way it would work, though, is, <clears throat> I mean, you're going to have at least plus one. Buttoned you know, up. Buttoned up. To, yeah. Well, and, you're also, and you're also going to have plus... Let's say you moved and you stopped... So you got plus two for bounding fire, plus one buttoned up. Two for turret type. Um, and plus five. two, yeah, so you're up to plus five. So the only way that can really work for you as the attacker is if the gun, so there's an anti-tank gun, and let's say it's in woods. And it has to turn one spin. Now, in a woods, you know, you double. double the, so yeah. the plus three is double the plus six. Plus six is more than your plus five, the tank shoots first. So while they're turning the gun, the tank can shoot at them. Okay. But usually the defender is going to win that. Yeah, he's usually not going to have to turn or whatever. So just because you declare the gun duel doesn't mean you're going to win the gun duel. Okay, and you would declare the, dun- the gun duel if you know the guy's going to first fire at you. Well, he actually would call and you the wanna- shot, right? Yeah, yeah, the defender calls the shot. The I'm defender shooting calls the at shot. you, and you go, wait a minute, gun duel. Gun duel. Fire okay. back before you shoot at me. Right, but you might lose, and he ends up shooting at you anyway. First. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's a way of... It, I see. Yeah. Your yeah. tank turns the corner... The gun crew says, I hold it, I'm going to fire. Well, wait, gun duel. Gun duel. Let's oh, okay. See if mine's less than yours, I can get a shot at you first. Okay. I can attack you. And, and are there, um, what's the downside uh, to declaring a gun well, duel if you lose? lose. I mean, he's okay, you've got nothing to lose. Anyway. Okay. You might as well. But you don't run the risk of breaking your main armament or something like that not if worse. you lose this. Not much other than normal. Uh, not other than normal, Okay. I guess the only thing you would have to lose is... Uh, you can't fire in the... Let's say you win the gun duel and you shoot. Your, your, your shot is going to be a very low-odd shot. Yeah. If your opponent would have shot first and missed... Yeah, and you if can you pull would have up missed, adjacent. Then, then you're in much better shape and you might be glad because now you can pull up on his side or in his rear and make a much better shot after you've stopped yeah. the blank. Yeah, okay. But you can't predict that. 
Okay, now, the other gun duel is the opposite of that. The defender can declare a gun duel versus the attacker's bounding first fire shot. So now the attacker's coming in. So the in. tank comes around the corner. Yep. The tanker, attacker, says, I'm going to bounding first fire on you. Yeah. And the defending gun, because he was not paying attention, can look and go, well, wait a minute, a gun duel. I'm going to shoot back, too. Now, the other interesting thing in adding up these fire-based two-hit modifiers is you don't count the doubling of the lower die roll, even though that's a fire-based modifier and you're in motion. You don't count that in your gun duel calculation. Because that's random. Right. It still counts on your sh- when you shoot, but it doesn't count on the gun duel number. So you can't pull a gun duel on somebody that pulls a gun duel on you? No. Okay, no. so tank no. goes around the corner... And you say, I'm going to fire, uh, and the tank guy says, I'm going to fire at you. The other guy says, no, I'm going to gun duel on you. Yes. You can't say, no, I'm going to gun duel on your gun duel. No. No. Okay. And I guess as a defender, you'd be waiting for the tank to come closer in your better range. So as you're waiting okay. for him to come closer, and suddenly the attacker says, my tank's firing as it comes down the road. Okay, well, then gun duel. Right? You force yes. me to try and shoot. Yeah, you force me to try. Even though I want you to come into my zero to six range, but... Yeah, so is there a, I have to think about how this would lay out in real life. Is there an analog this to a real life situation? Well, yeah, you turn the corner and you see a gun sitting there aimed down the street. But you're waiting, you're waiting for the tank to come. Well, you're just close you, you know he's, you, you, do you know he's gonna fire and so you wanna get a shot off first? Well, in real life, he wouldn't say, I'm firing. Yeah, he wouldn't. You're right, he would just shoot. He would just shoot. <laughs> so in real life, they'd both be scrambling to shoot as fast as they could. Yeah. yeah. So. There's probably not a real-life okay. explanation. But because yeah. you're playing a game, someone's got to actually shoot first. Yeah. And then, of course, if you actually have the same uh, gun duel modifier, the same fire or base to hit number, that's a tie. So you both get to roll dice at the fir- at the same time. But then oh, the yes, l- simultaneous. Then the lower die roll ends oh, up being first. the guy who shot first. Okay. And then if that's a tie, then you consider it a simultaneous shot at the same time. Seems like kind of a complicated extravagance. Yeah. To the rules, and I'm not sure why. So, like in a starter kit, you just say uh, you either declare a shot or you don't. If or you, you didn't, don't. too bad. He called it first, right? But I do like it where they're both scrambling to get off a shot, and then yeah. turning the turret's going to make it harder, or turning the you know gun in the woods makes it harder to get the shot off. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, I can see that. Okay. All right, so I have a little example here, mm-hmm. and I think you've got. I'm going to post the diagram, and we'll just have a couple of those. Please refer to your pictures. So uh, we're using board uh, board 18. Mm-hmm. Simple little example. We've got three Sherman tanks. I think we chose, let's see here, is it the M4A2? Yes, it's the M4A2, I believe. So that has a 75 millimeter uh, cannon, which I believe has a two kill number of, of 14, if I looked on the chart right. 75. Yes, it has a two kill number of 14. And its armor, its front armor is is 8. We're going up against a mighty German Panther, which is the uh, Panzer VG. VG. It's got a 75 double L yep. main armament, and it's got a slow turret, and it's got 18 frontal armor, Ooh. but it has inferior turret, which I guess and means it would be, it'd be yeah. 14 on the turret and 18 on the hull is what that means, I think. And so basically, you know, again, barring a critical hit, which we're not going to consider... If you're shooting with a 14 to kill on something that has 18 armor or 14 armor on the front, it ain't going to happen. So shooting from the front front is worthless. So the only way that these Shermans, I got three Shermans here 
to the one panther, which is not an uncommon situation. The only way you're going to get this guy is if you hit him on the side or the rear, because, again, his rear armor is only six, or his side ah. armor is only six. And then 14 versus six, now you're talking. You're going to lose so what's his What's his front hull? 18? 18. 18 and 14. Do they, didn't they make any tanks that were just 18 all the way around? It always seems like they've got a weak spot. I, true. Could, didn't I somebody, didn't a scientist ever think, you know what, we still have the weak spot. <laughs> didn't somebody point that out? Why don't you cover up all it's the too, weak spots? It's too expensive. You could probably build more tanks it's with war. that material. But you could build more tanks by saving on the steel. That's a really hard question to answer. That's like putting, that's like making a helmet that's like steel in front and then just has a cloth, a mesh, cloth a mesh, in the back, a mesh in the back that's comfortable. You can't talk to this guy. I don't know. He goes off. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Yes. Anyway, so I just yeah, want to show so, a little example yes. here. This I'm is a, history. I'm assuming that all three of these Shermans are in motion just to make life easy. I'm, assur- I'm assuming that everybody's buttoned up. Okay. And everybody's going to stay buttoned up just to keep the math easy. Yeah. All of these vehicles are plus one. Or they're big. They're all plus one big, which means you get a minus one on the two hit to uh, hit them. The, both the German is plus size large, and the yeah. Shermans are also that size. So you're probably going to lose two and perhaps, or you're probably going to lose one and perhaps two of these, which are, you know, again, no guarantees, but I want to show how I would go about taking this thing out, assuming I'm going to lose one, if not two, of these three tanks in the process. Okay. So, again, and then illustrating the rules of gun duels and bounding fire at the same time. Okay. Okay, so what I would do is I would move the first the first AFE towards the, towards the German vehicle. From hex. Yeah, I guess I'm going from hex L6. I got, yeah, I should have said. The German tank is in E7, but he's facing the American vehicles, which are in uh, L6, L7, and L8. Okay. And they're all in motion, and you can see this in the photograph. Yeah. So three on one. But again, we've got to hit it from the side or the rear somehow. Okay, so the first tank that's in L6 starts moving forward. He's got plenty of movement factors. I'm not going to count them out. And, you know, again, the German, who knows when the German would fire? The German sees that he's got more tanks coming, but certainly he's going to fire at this guy eventually. So... Let's say that the, I mean, if he doesn't, then you just keep right on moving right on past him and then shoot him in the rear. Yeah. But he's not going to let you do that. So let's say by the time I get to uh, hex F6, which is adjacent to the German vehicle, and I'm still in motion, let's say this is when the German chooses to fire. Okay. Okay, so the German is buttoned up, plus one. He's shooting at a moving vehicle, plus two more. But it's minus one size, so he's adding two total. And, if he, I mean, we could declare a gun duel, but we're going to lose. I mean, the American could declare a gun duel, but he's going to lose because he has to add five plus two plus two plus one, whereas the German... For bounding fire, etc. For bounding fire yeah. and so forth and buttoned up, whereas the German guy only has to add plus one buttoned up. Yeah. So no gun duel effect. And let's assume he does get his eight, and let's assume that he, you know, it's a 75 double L, so that's a uh, 23 to kill. My armor's only eight. It's a done deal. Yeah. So let's gone. assume it's not a burning wreck, just to keep life easy. So this is a wreck. Okay. And let's also assume I didn't get rate of fire. It's only got a rate of fire of one. Right. So now I have first fired my German vehicle, and I've destroyed the first American tank. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I would I would withdraw right then. I would. As the American. Run. Yeah. As the American, I would run. Well, now's the time to press Better it. Better part of valor. He's already shot. Yeah. So now the next tank moves out of, or the next Sherman moves out of L7. And he's going to also come straight at the German vehicle. And let's say he moves into hex F7, which is, again, adjacent. Now, 
the German can plainly see that the American is, you know, what the American's doing here, and he kind of has no choice. He's probably going to have to intensify here because if he doesn't, you're gonna then you know I'm going to move into his rear and right. yeah. shoot him in the, rear. in the side yeah. in rear. So if I were the German, I would probably intensify at this point. So now he has to add plus two intensive, plus two moving, plus one buttoned up, but minus one because size. the Sherman is large. And so I need a six to hit. Let's say he gets the six. And again, let's say it's not a burning wreck, but it is destroyed. Now two of the vehicles are destroyed. But now he's intensive fired. So now you have a pretty good chance of getting him, and I'm going to show you how by using bounding fire with the last guy. So the last guy comes cruising all the way through. Once more into the breach. And this my time man, he, young, he's already intensified. He can't intensify her again. He cannot shoot anymore. Right. Go into his hex and then come out the backside. And when you do the movement factor coming out the backside, you should t- <coughs> excuse me. Turn your turret faces rear. Turn your turret, which well, is why go through rear. his hex? Why not just go around him? I always go around, and it costs more movement points. To That's go true. Around, I could have right? gone go around. Well, I always go around, but I think that costs more movement points, and sometimes you don't have enough to go around. I never think of going through. I never would have thought of yeah, that. Yeah, I really need. To yeah, there are rules about which vehicles can move through hexes of other vehicles based on the armor strength and the gun strength. But in this oh, case, there are. Yes, so it's just you have to be able to, in order to stop in an enemy AFE's oh. hex, you have to be able to shock it or destroy it on a five or less okay. theoretically. Just to go through it, like a half-track could go through a Panther's hex. Yeah. It just can't stop there. Okay. But anyway, yeah, I went through the hex. I guess I didn't have to. Okay. And uh, this would be a good place to take a photograph when we get that chance. But yeah. We'll do that in a minute. So, so now I'm going to stop, and I'm going to bounding fire. So now let's add this up. It's plus two for case B. It's plus two more because I'm turreted. Uh, you're bounding first firing? I'm bounding first firing. Bounding it's still okay. my movement phase. Yeah. It's not the advanced still your movement phase, phase yet. Right, okay. Uh, it's um, you're, plus one buttoned up, so I'm at plus five. And you turn your turret. No, I, that I, didn't, right, cost turret part of the didn't cost you anything. Didn't, yeah, because you did right. it during so movement. There's no penalty there. Okay. So I'm at plus five, but I get minus one because it's a big target. Yeah. And now I get minus two point blank. So I only need an eight to hit. Pretty good for bounding yeah. first fire. And if I get an 8, which I'm going to assume that I will, now my to-kill number point-blank is goes from 14 to 15. I'm hitting him in the rear, Yeah. so his armor is 1 less. It's not 6, it's 5. So 15 minus 5 is 10. I need a 10 or less to destroy it. Yeah. Now, I had to lose 2 of my 3 tanks to do it, but I really don't see you know, how you could do it any other way other than maybe get lucky with a critical hit. Yeah. Now, with a gyro stabilizer, we haven't talked about that yet, but the gyro stabilizer, they really are, when you get them in the SSR, they're wonderful. Because you can shoot on the move without doubling the lower die roll. You do have to add plus one, but that's it, just plus one. And yeah. you're shooting on the move. You uh, can acquire while moving. While moving. While moving. Mm-hmm. And on your gun duel modifiers, you don't add that plus one. And I think even, I guess I could be wrong on this, but I think you get to have your firer-based two-head modifiers, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, So you're going to win most gun duels is the point when you have yeah. a gyro stabilizer most of the time. And your odds of hitting. Now the, gyro, the gyro stabilizers came in later in the war, right? Like 19, late 44 or something like that? No, Isn't I that think right? they were earlier. 
Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Piece. I usually see them in 44, but they might have. I'm not sure of the date. But I usually now, the, the only time I've played with them, I, I played a, a fun scenario with Joe. Apples to Apples, I think it was, mm-hmm. that one with Joe. Mm-hmm. And I only had one. I played the Americans. I only had one tank with a gyro stabilizer. Are, are, are they typically sort of rationed out in a scenario? Yeah, you, you don't, you'll, you'll you don't, have four or five tanks, and then the rules will say you get one or two gyro stabilizers. And you can break the gyro stabilizer, can't you? There's something you can do to break it, because I did that. Like no, at the I first time, because Joe said, "Oh, this is going to be so fun. You're going to have fun with your gyro stabilizer," you and I broke it. You could break the you gun. probably broke the gun. I probably mouthed the gun. Yeah. Okay. Right, which means it's not going to do you any good. Okay. And there's other. I think there's other advantage you get with the coax machine gun when you have a gyro stabilizer, but I don't remember what it is. But, okay. But my purpose of my little, uh, you know, talk here was to show yeah. the listeners, and you can, you know, look at the pictures on the internet here that we're going to post for you, kind of how I would go about going after a superior tank that has frontal armor that you just can't penetrate by using bounding fire and avoiding gun duels that you're going to lose. Yeah. I mean, and you really, it's a battle of attrition. You are sacri- you know you're going to have to sacrifice units in order to, to take that guy out. Right, and the only other option would have been to just maybe surround the German vehicle from different places, but he's still going to knock out probably two of your three, and then... If you miss, or if you still shoot, uh, you're still shooting at him from the front. He's going to knock you out in his next prep fire phase. Yeah, yeah. I like to move one tank to the side. He turns his turret. Then I go to the other side, get the rear turret shot in the side hull, and then the other one I try and get around to the back. Mm-hmm. I mean, the key was I made him intensive fire first. Correct. If, if, if he would have intensive fired now, even though he might have missed me, he could have still turned his turret yeah. towards me. And then I'd have a 50-50 chance, approximately, yeah, of, of hitting, hitting the right spot. So the key was I made him intensive fire first. To prevent him from turning his turret. Yes. So this is an example, probably imperfect, but just to illustrate Well, it's one yeah. way to attack it, certainly. Yeah. So now, um, if you hadn't made the kill, and it was the end of the turn, then he's going to prep fire his tank. Yeah, and he's going to get you. Yeah, and he's going to get you. Yeah, he, I mean he's going to have he's, he's going to have to pay the turret turn. He will and all that. Yeah, but but he'll get you. Yeah, he'll, he'll probably, probably well he'll probably, probably intensify her if he didn't, and then he won't have to pay the turret turn on the second shot. And right. he's you're close now, and you're stopped. Yeah, you're dead, probably. So, you know, barring you know, well, he's buttoned up plus one, turning the turret. Plus one for the first hex or two? Well, he'd be spinning. This is a slow turret on this Panther, so I think it's plus two for the two. first spine and plus one for the second one. So it's a total of plus four, minus two for adjacent. Minus one big. It's only a plus one, Jeff. Yeah, only a plus one. He's dead. So. Now, another thing we talked a minute ago about moving through the hex, I guess I'm a little, little more different sidebar. When you move through the AFE's hex, another cool thing to do First of all, if he chooses to shoot at you while you're in the hex, he's being very unwise because then he's got to play plus two for the Yeah, there's like a plus. You got case E, which is plus two more. There's really. There's a modifier for him being in the hex, right? Yeah, plus two, case E. Okay. Yes. So you really don't want to shoot at the guy, but but when you're in the hex and you have a smoke dispenser. Correct. You can, you can shoot off, if you're fortunate to roll low enough, you can shoot off a smoke dispenser in his hex, then leave. Now, this is kind of cool if you also have infantry. Again, we're getting off the topic a little bit from bounding fire. But if you move your tank through, sure, let him shoot at you. He's probably going to miss with the extra plus two. But even if he hits you, uh, you know, then I guess there would be a wreck in his hex. might be a burning wreck. Put smoke in the hex that way, I guess. But let's assume he misses. 
or you just throw smoke in his hex and he doesn't shoot at all. Now he's in smoke, and your, your infantry have a better chance now of advancing up on him because he's in a smoke-filled hex. So that's another good idea to move your AFEs into the guy's hex, or and at least move through it. Yeah, and then get the smoke, yeah. So another, another thing to consider if you have it. But in this example, we didn't have any infantry. Correct. So anyway, thanks for letting me share that with you, and yeah, hopefully it'll be uh, beneficial for some of your listeners. Oh, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very fascinating. Tanks. Hey, this is Albert in Greenville, South Carolina. I just heard your latest episode, and I was disappointed to see you guys have taken out the banter. Um, I haven't played squad leader, so actually the banter is my favorite part of the show. Um, that being said, I was surprised that without the banter, the show is still just as long. That's great. Thanks. Keep up the good work. That was nice. Thank you, Albert. Thanks for calling in, too. And yeah. doesn't even play the game. Yeah. Rich, would you listen to our show if you pl- did I'm not play Squad Leader? I'm amazed at how many fans you have that don't play Squad Leader. Right? Yeah. I just don't get it. I, I'm it's, sorry, I just wouldn't listen to you if I wasn't an ASL it's, player. It's fine entertainment. It's like watching Sex in the City without having sex. I guess. Or maybe it's not quite <laughs> like that. Well, you know, I'd like to plug the 2011 St. Louis ASL Tournament. Oh, we don't have time. For a friend. Oh, maybe next show. For our friend Jim Burris. Yeah. Uh, the dates are Hi, July 29th through 31st, 2011. And we'll put up the website link on the show. Yeah, that'll be here before you know it. Coming quick. Yeah, that's a good one. I've been to that tournament two or three times. Mm-hmm. And it is a lot of fun. A lot of good players are there. And Jim always picks good scenarios. And good prizes, as yes, I recall. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah, we've got the ASL Open coming up, uh, so sign up for that. That's the first weekend in April, I believe. That's in Oak Brook? Yeah, in Oak Brook, Illinois. Easily accessible from either O'Hare or Midway Airport. Or from the podcast Foxhole. Oh, yeah. You could come here. People could come here and play. <laughs> That'd be fun. Are you giving an open invitation? Yeah, no. Yes, I'm not. So, uh, well, I think that will wrap it up for this show, right, Dave? Anything right. else? Nothing else for yeah. me. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks for letting us put the banter back. And, Rich, very great to have you. Hey, thank you for having me. It was great. Appreciated you coming and setting us straight and enlightening us a little bit. So, until next time, roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. That's it. Bye-bye, everybody. And remember, remember to clink and drink. Oh, stop with that silly slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never stop.